Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Trying to improve your mental health is an incredibly difficult thing to do under even the best of circumstances. And one of the factors that I think makes the biggest difference in whether you achieve success or not with regards to your mental health is whether you're doing it alone. This is an incredibly, incredibly hard thing to do alone. Because when it's just you, there's so many things you will not catch. You have so many habits and tendencies and biases, and you won't even realize them because they're normal to you. Because that's how your brain always sounds when you hear it you don't realize how negatively skewed so many of your perceptions and beliefs are. And having a good therapist, a good therapist can be life-changing. It may even be life-saving. Having a mediocre therapist, it'll have some hits and misses, but ultimately might not be a great use of your time and money. There are bad therapists out there too. Don't get me wrong. And a bad therapist can actually make your symptoms worse. They can move you backwards through their own incompetence. So today I'm going to give you my guide, everything I know for what differentiates good, bad, and mediocre therapists and how I would recommend you go about finding someone who can actually help you. I know that I often emphasize the importance of finding a therapist. And many of you in the comments have said something to the effect of like, cool, Dr. Scott, great idea. How do we actually do that? Where are all these wonderful therapists? And they can be hard to find, don't get me wrong. But I think with the tools I teach you today, you will hopefully be able to find one who is right for you. So we're going to cover three topics today. We're going to talk about things that most people overemphasize when they're looking for a therapist that I don't really think are all that critical. We're going to talk about the things that do matter and the things you should look for. And then we're going to talk about where to look. And with those three pieces of information, I think you'll be equipped to go out and find a therapist if that's something you desire to do. Let's start with the things that I don't believe matter very much, because honestly, most of these are the first things that many people look at. And I think, I think the first things we look at when we're looking for a therapist are often things that don't matter very much. The first thing I think doesn't really matter that much is where that person went to school. That might seem kind of controversial. The reason I would say I don't think that matters all that much is that therapy is not an exact science. The idea that you can learn to be a good therapist in an academic setting, honestly, is kind of a fallacy. And I, I won't, I'm going to avoid my rant that I can feel coming on about why a person would need to be in school for six to 10 years to become a therapist, which is ridiculous. But no, we're not going to rant about that today. We're not going to do that. The best therapists for the most part, 
have like 50 to 60% success rates, um, at least in terms of like controlled clinical trials. Compare that to like a surgical procedure, okay? There are surgical procedures that have, you know, 99 plus percent success rates. If something has a 90% or higher success rate, that probably means there is an objectively correct way to do that thing, which means there's also an incorrect way to do that thing. If you're having a surgical procedure done, I think it probably does matter where your surgeon went to school because there is a right way to do that. Therapy is a very subjective process. We have not yet determined exactly how therapy should be done. There is not an agreed upon right way to do therapy that works for everybody. And so the idea that there are like better and worse schools to train you how to be a therapist when that's a thing we don't actually really know how to do anyway doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Also, this is a slight aside, but but a relevant point. Um, the schools that I went to aren't necessarily the most high-end or prestigious schools in the world. Not that I hold myself up as being the standard of a good therapist, but for those of you who think I do seem like I'm probably a good therapist, I did not go to like Ivy League schools or anything like that. My doctorate is from, uh, it says Argosy University. They changed their name at some point to the Minnesota School of Professional Psychology. They went bankrupt about three years after I graduated and they do not exist anymore. My master's degree also says Argosy um, because that's where I finished my paper, but I actually did my coursework for my master's at the University of Northern Iowa. Now, here's another probably really controversial take, but if your college has a cardinal direction in the name, it might not be like, top of the line, you know, like Northern Iowa or like Southern Illinois, Western Kentucky. Like if you have to differentiate that you're the geographical version of like the main school, probably not the best, right? Um, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. I don't because this is not something you can learn how to do in school. This is something you learn how to do by doing it. Right. And so I wouldn't stress too much about like, oh, where's my therapist's degree from? Did they go to Harvard or it's, I don't think it make a huge difference. I, I wouldn't stress too much about that. I also don't necessarily think it makes a massive difference what their degree is. There are many degrees that can lead to licensure as a therapist. There are several different master's degrees and a couple doctoral degrees. I don't even, as someone with a doctorate, I don't even necessarily think it makes a huge difference if they have a doctorate or not. I went to school for a lot longer than someone with a master's degree. Does that guarantee I'm a better therapist than them? I don't think it does. I probably know more about theories behind therapy than they do. But honestly, a lot of that stuff is just trivia. It, it doesn't necessarily translate to effective action in a therapy session. Um, so I wouldn't stress too much about like whether they have a master's or a doctorate degree or whether their master's is in marriage and family therapy versus mental health counseling versus social work. I, I, I just don't think these are factors that really differentiate different quality levels of therapists. I would not stress too much about that in the selection process. The third thing that I would not stress too much about, and this one might seem really weird, but I'll explain is their specialties. Now you might think like, well, but I have a really specific condition. Like I have PTSD or I have ADHD or I have agoraphobia. Like, don't I need to work with a therapist who understands my condition? And the answer is yes, you do need to work with a therapist who understands your condition, but someone claiming that they understand your condition means absolutely nothing about whether or not they understand your condition. Because a specialty in therapy, if someone says like, I'm trauma-informed or I specialize in eating disorders, 
Do you know what that automatically means about them? Nothing. It means literally nothing because specializations in the world of therapy are unregulated. Literally anyone can claim to be a specialist on anything and there, there's nothing stopping them. And you'll see, like, if you look at some therapists, what they list as their specialties, some therapists just list literally everything. Like, it's like the whole DSM, every diagnosis. Like, I specialize in all. Like, no, you don't. Are you 500 years old? Because no, you don't. So I really, honestly, I wouldn't stress too much about that. I know it probably seems ultra important, but it's really no guarantee of anything. Now, if a person like says they specialize in one thing and that's, and their whole bio is just about like, I specialize in autism. Okay. They probably do. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. But even then, I can think of at least one example, and I'm not going to name names because that's not what I'm about, but I know a person who claims to specialize in something and makes it their entire focus of their practice, and they're really not very good at that thing. So... That also just doesn't mean as much as you'd think that it does. So I'm not going to say ignore what they specialize in, but don't treat it as like, if you do specialize in this, you're you're obviously going to understand me. And if you don't, you obviously won't because it does not always play out that way. So those are the things I would not worry too much about. And those are usually the three things we look at. Program, degree, specialties. They're all of relatively minimal importance in my experience. The actual most important thing as far as how well you work with your therapist, it's a difficult thing to measure, but it's the fit. It's it's simply personality fit. Do you like them? Do they like you? Do you both generally enjoy your work together? Do you feel understood by them as a person? That's the actual thing that we're trying to find. Is there a way you can know that about a person before you meet them? Probably not, right? Ultimately, Finding a good therapist is going to be a matter of trial and error, but there are some things you can look for and ask your therapist about pretty early on in the session, or sometimes even before you meet them, that are going to probably move you one way or the other. So the first thing is, do read people's bios. People's bios are very important. I can't tell you exactly what to look for in the bio because I don't know you and I don't know what would make you feel connected to a person. But as you're reading therapist bios, just try to notice if you feel anything when you're reading them. Like if someone says something that you feel connected to, that's something, this is a little apples to oranges, I know, 
but that's something I look for in interviews. Like, because I apply all this criteria to interviews. I don't necessarily care where you went to school or what your degree is in, as long as you're licensed. But I do care about whether I get a good, it's cheesy, but like, do I get a good vibe from you? There's someone I interviewed recently and I asked her some, I, I asked her like, who do you like to work with? And she said, you know, it's not so much about like population or diagnoses, but she said, I just really like working with underdogs. You know, like people who in one way or another, I've just not had a lot going for them in life. That made me like her more than anything she could have said about her, you know, professional training. Or I, I just instantly was like, you would fit in well here. So, so something about that phrasing spoke to me. Now that, you know, as an employer, but it, it's a really similar process, right? If there's anything in someone's bio, anything about the words they use, the way they phrase things that just stands out and you're like, I feel something when I read this, that's a good sign. That's probably the most important thing you can do before seeing a certain therapist is just read their bio, pay attention to how that bio makes you feel. The other thing that might be relevant is their demographics. Some people feel more comfortable talking to female providers. Some people feel more comfortable talking to male providers. Some people might be younger and might want a therapist who's closer in age to them and might have a more accurate sense of what it's like to grow up in the current culture, which is very different than it was 30 or 40 years ago, right? Other people might want a therapist who's seen a lot in life. You might want to, maybe you're a parent and, and you want a therapist who's also a parent because that's a really specific life experience that you, that's a big part of what's going on for you and you need that to be understood. Now, not every therapist will put that in their bio, but those are, those are things you can ask. Do not be afraid to ask questions in your first meeting with your therapist. Get to know them. It, it is basically a job interview. So make sure you ask questions about who they are and, and things that matter to you. Maybe you've had certain cultural experiences and you and you think, I think someone who is not of my culture would not know what this is like. And I really need this to be understood. This is an important part of my story. Then look for that. Those are some of the things you can look for before you even meet a therapist. Once you've met a therapist, remember, it's a mutual thing. You're assessing fit. And there are some questions I would encourage you to ask early on. The first question I would ask, this might seem really forward and assertive, but if I ever go back to therapy, I'm going to do this. At the end of the first session, you know, once they've gotten through all their questions and such with you, I would ask them something along the lines of, based on what you now know about me, based on all this really personal information I have shared with you, and I know you've only known me for like an hour, what do you think I need to get better? They should be able to answer that question. So it's going to go one of three ways. Either they're going to like say, I don't know. That's obviously not going to feel great to you, right? Maybe they give an answer, but the answer doesn't really make sense to you or doesn't match what you feel like you need. Or maybe they give an answer and you're like, oh man, they get it. They, they understand. That is what I need. I, th I think they're right. And I want to do that work. That's a good sign. That's a really good sign. You should be able to do that in any session, by the way. At any point during therapy, you should essentially be able to be like, come out. What are we doing and why are we doing it? What is the purpose of this current intervention that we are working through? Or what is the purpose of this current conversation that we are having? You only get, you know, at most probably an hour a week with this person, right? Your time should be used efficiently. They should not be wasting your time. And if at any point they cannot answer the question, what are you doing right now? How is this supposed to help me? They are wasting your time. Do not tolerate that. Another thing that is really important, it might seem really silly, but it's really important, is that you guys have some sort of shared hobbies. If for no other reason, 
because this is critical in therapy, you guys, metaphors. If you have shared hobbies, you can use those shared hobbies to create therapeutic metaphors. There are so many things, you guys know this about me if you watch my content at all, that I explain so many things in metaphors. And if, you under, if, if you're into the same things that I am, these metaphors will click for you. If you're not, they're meaningless. So if your therapist essentially like speaks the same language as you, if you're really into, like I made a pro wrestling metaphor once, and I think I've gotten more comments on that than any other thing I've ever done. People just love that because it made sense to them. It doesn't have to be everything, obviously, but try to find a therapist who is into some of the same things as you. It will dramatically enhance your communication. Another thing I would look for, you won't be able to know this right away either, but you'll once you get a few sessions, a few sessions in, you'll notice this. Do they remember stuff that you guys talk about? Do they remember like where you live and where you go to school and where you work and who the main players in your life are? Are they constantly asking you to like re-explain stuff that you've already explained. If they do not seem to be remembering the things you're telling them, they're either not paying attention or they're not very smart. And I, I know that's very blunt, but here's the thing. To, to commit something to long-term memory requires three separate repetitions of that piece of information with at least 10 minutes spaced in between each repetition. So if every single session you've mentioned your job and you've told them where you work and what you do, and it's been a pretty big part of the session, and you're four or five sessions in, and they're like, what do you do for work again? I can't remember. They're either not listening when you talk, or they're not past learner. Like they're, I don't think either of those are qualities you probably want in a therapist. So look for a therapist who really seems to remember the things you tell them, who seems to be able to recall like what we did last, what was my therapy homework? What's going on in my life? It, it's not a good use of your time to constantly re-explain these things. And you deserve to be listened to. You deserve to be prioritized. I will admit, I don't have an amazing memory for some of these things, which is why I keep a cheat sheet of every single person I work with. It doesn't have names on it. It's coded. And I, I write down, you know, significant other, where they work, where they went to school, like big themes in their life. And I review it before and after every session to make sure I remember what's going on with a person. Because otherwise, I don't remember those things always either because it gets busy. But if, if, if they don't have some kind of tool for keeping track of stuff and they're just relying on you to essentially like have endless patience, that's not fair to you. You deserve better than that. One other thing I would consider is what type of agency they work for. This might also sound elitist, but very broadly speaking, there's three types of agencies uh, as far as like mental health practices. There are private practices, there's hospitals and hospital adjacent settings, and then there's community mental health centers. These three types of settings are generally pretty stratified by pay. So a private practice usually pays their providers the most. Hospitals are really variable. They can be low, high, kind of anywhere. They're, they're sort of a wild card. Community mental health centers typically pay the lowest. If you're a good therapist, you're probably going to want to get paid the most amount of money for your work, right? I mean, everyone wants their work to be appreciated. Generally speaking, I would recommend that you probably go to private practices for your therapy. That's typically where the best and brightest people in this industry work. Now that can be a little tricky because sometimes private practices take a very limited range of insurance, which is a huge source of frustration. I am gonna let myself rant a little bit on this because our mental health care system is completely upside down. Community mental health centers typically have to uh, accept every insurance provider because they also get some money from the government. So what happens is if you had a period of like disability or, or severe dysfunction because of your mental health that has affected your insurance coverage, you probably end up getting treatment at a community mental health center. 
these providers often, I'm just going to be blunt. And this, this might seem mean. I'm sorry if I hurt anyone's feelings. This is not always true. But a lot of providers there just don't have a high skill level of doing therapy. And so because they have a low skill level, they don't actually help the people people very much. And what ends up happening is essentially this endless cycle of like the people who have the most severe symptoms get matched up with the providers who have the least skill and they stay sick and end up in this perpetual loop of dysfunction and disability because the people who have the tools to help them don't take their insurance because their insurance doesn't pay very well. The whole system is completely upside down. And if you have been caught up in that system, I don't even have the words to say how sorry I am about that. I, I want to change it. I Our private practice takes all insurances. It's something that's very important to me. Um, I know that me just saying it sucks and I'm sorry doesn't help you if you've been suffering for years with unhelpful therapy because that's all your insurance covers. But if you have the option, I encourage you to look into private practice. You're typically going to get just the highest quality of care there. So I guess that brings me to kind of my last point, which is where do you find a good therapist? And I don't mean where physically, because I just covered that, but I mean, like, how do you find a therapist? I usually encourage people to use a website called Psychology Today. It's sort of like realtor.com for therapists, as funny as that might sound. And this is not sponsored, by the way. Um, that's just honestly what I tell people to use. It has filters you can put in. So you can put in like your insurance, where you live, if you have gender preferences, what your age is. Uh, you know, all kinds of stuff that might matter to you and help you basically get matched up with someone that's an ideal fit for you. And it's going to return this list of people who meet all your criteria. And they will typically have bios that you can then read. They'll usually have pictures. Pictures matter too. Like I've seen some really bad pictures and bios and I'm like, do not take this seriously. Like don't make weird faces in your bio picture, friends. It, it's You're not doing yourself any favors here. Um, Anyway, I'm one to talk. I can't pose for pictures either, but I do my best. And I don't think some people even try. You'll see, get on psychology today. You'll see what I mean. Um, another good resource is friends and family. Like you know, we don't always talk about this depending on, you know, like where you live and how your family is and stuff. But a lot of people are in therapy and if you get on Facebook or something and you're just like, hey, friends, who's a good therapist in our area? You might be shocked by how many of the people you know are already in therapy and are more than happy to tell you about it and tell you who they think you should see. So just personal referrals are a great way to do it too. Um, I generally am not as big a fan of like all these online therapies that are popping up. Um, they pay even less than community mental health. So a lot of the people who work for, you know, like these online tech companies that are trying to be therapy companies are people who are not employable anywhere else. And I'm just, I'm really concerned about that whole system. And I, I think it's probably not great. Ultimately, hope that if you have sought out therapy before and it's not worked out well, I hope that you're not discouraged. And I hope that you keep trying. It's a lot like dating. It really is. And, and hopefully you wouldn't date, you know, like two or three people and then be like, well, that didn't work. So I guess I'm single forever. Um, now, I know that might sound ridiculous, but therapists are as diverse a group of people as any other group of people. And therapy is as wide a range of activities as dating. I mean, it can be a night and day different process from one person to the next. A lot of therapists on social media share that they are in therapy to normalize being in therapy, which I respect and I value. I'm going to share with you guys today, and hopefully this doesn't make me sound like a hypocrite, I am not currently in therapy, and it is mostly because of this stuff. 
because I know how hard it is to find a good therapist. And I know that if they're not a good therapist, even if they're just not bad, but they're just not great, it's really easy for therapy to end up just being a waste of time. But I do believe with these tools, you can find a good therapist for you. Someone who values you, someone who makes you feel respected, someone who makes you feel important, someone who has ideas for your life. And that's the other thing. I guess I kind of skipped over this earlier. I have one last thing. Theoretical orientation. Now, if you're not, if you have never professionally studied therapy or psychology, it might not mean anything to you for a therapist to say, like, I am humanistic or I am a cognitive behavioral therapist or I'm a gestalt therapist. You're like, I don't know what any of this means. Is this, is this supposed to help me figure it out? They, they do mean something, but really what it comes down to is it really helps if you know what you want from therapy. And that might be a tough thing to do if you've not been in therapy before, if you've never had good experiences with therapy. But like some people just want to let it all out. They want to go to therapy and have a, a space and a time where another person is exclusively focused on them and they can just talk through stuff. Other people want answers, right? They want strategy. That's more my style. I'm a very behaviorally oriented therapist. I think life is like 80% one big Skinner box and 20% random chance. And I think if we control the controllables, know how our brains work, organize our lifestyles in a way that supports mental health, we're going to be okay, or at least as okay as we're capable of being. It's my belief. I can't prove that that's the case for everybody. Um, but that that's, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's a very subjective thing. It's like saying, what makes a good marriage? Well, that's going to depend on who you are and what you want, right? So think at least a little bit about what you want from a therapist, because that's that's going to essentially give you like a guiding light to figure out you know, here's my, here's my archetype for what I want a therapist to be. How close to that archetype is this person? Um, yeah, it's subjective. So at the end of the day, whatever you want from therapy isn't necessarily right or wrong. It's just what you want. Um, I hope this was helpful content. I know this is a little bit different from what I usually do, but uh, I know this is a really important topic and also a very difficult topic. So please ask me uh, if you guys have any questions about anything I've discussed in this episode, please let me know in the comments. Otherwise, I will see you next time. Take care.